14. John chapter 14. I want to do, uh, I'm going to do some teaching today. Amen? Do you all like teaching? So, uh, uh, you know, you can preach or you can teach and, or preach and teach or however you want to look at that. But we, we've been talking about, all year long, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. Or actually, talking about the supernatural. I'm sorry. We've been talking about the supernatural and about getting God involved in every area of our life. The last couple of weeks, we've been talking about, uh, we've been starting looking at the Holy Spirit. And we've been looking at the fact that probably the Holy Spirit is probably the most supernatural of anything because He is God. And, you know, we have... It's just an amazing thing to think that we have uh, a part of the Godhead living on the inside of us. That He thinks... You know, and here, here's something... Uh, I don't know if you've ever looked at it like this, but this is just how much God thinks about you and how much God cherishes you and, and loves you is the fact that He wants to live on the inside of you. You know, just think about that. He, God actually, He, he designed His plan, and his, the, his whole plan was to create a body and a, a person, which is you and I, I mean bodies and people, that He could live in. And, and you know, and, and that, Paul said it a couple times, other, other people in the New Testament said it, but he said, you know, don't you know that you are a temple, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's just an incredible thing to think that God, God loves us enough and cherishes us enough and thinks enough about us that, that He would want to live on the inside of us. Amen. That's good news. Amen. So, so we, we started looking at the Holy Spirit and we, and you know, and, and this is another one of those things, just like the word supernatural, we've talked about how, you know, there's so much misconception and when people hear the word supernatural, they think, you know, some weird things and, and we've tried to kind of, uh, and hopefully we've done that, brought that out to where, uh, to where that word is not so weird anymore. You know, that when you hear the word supernatural, um, your mind automatically goes to, that's just getting God involved in my life. You know, that's the way we look at the supernatural. And, and when God gets involved in our lives, then, man, you know, big things can happen. Well, how many of you know that the Holy Spirit, when you start talking about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is the, that subject is kind of the same way in that a lot of people have a lot of misconceptions and a lot of, when they think of the Holy Spirit, they just think they have some weird thoughts, you know, about the Holy Spirit. Because there, there have been people that have abused uh, that teaching. There's, you know, I mean, and, and they've, they've, you know, just ran off with different kinds of teachings and different kinds of things to make people think that the Holy Spirit is just some, you know, some weird uh, manifestation of something or something like that. But, I, but you know, in, in these teachings that we're doing about the Holy Spirit, I want you to see and I want us to understand and to know that the Holy Spirit is not weird. Amen. The Holy Spirit's not weird. And it's not weird to have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. Come on. Have I got the right group in here today? I mean, hopefully you all don't think it's weird because that, that's a big part of who we are, right? So, so we've talked about, last week we started talking about that there's two, in the Bible, there's two different, uh, when you read in the New Testament, you'll find two different expressions used. You'll find that, you'll find expressions such, uh, that says the Holy Spirit within, uh, on the inside, and then you'll also hear, you'll also hear about the Holy Spirit upon, coming, resting upon us. So you'll hear those two different things. So this morning, I want to kind of continue along those lines and, and show you some more scriptures about uh, the Holy Spirit within. Of course, we understand, we know that when, when the scriptures talk about the Holy Spirit being within us, that's referring to salvation. At the moment you get born again, when you, when you ask Jesus to come into your life and, and you start your relationship with God, and, you know, and, and the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, then you'll be born again. And Jesus, of course, in John 3, told Nicodemus that you couldn't see the kingdom of heaven unless you, be, unless you were born again, right? So we know being born again is the first requirement uh, to have the Holy Spirit. And at that moment, at the moment of sal what we call salvation, when, we, when you ask Jesus to come into your life, you ask Him to be the Lord and Savior of your life, you, you start your personal relationship with Jesus, at that moment, the Holy Spirit actually moves in. He actually comes on the inside of you, lives on the inside of you. Up until that moment, your, you, your spirit man was dead. And, but at the moment of salvation, the Bible says you are born again, 
into the, from the spiritual standpoint, and, and your spirit man comes to life, and now you, now you are a living spirit. You have that living spirit on the inside of you. And we talk about this, that, you know, really the spiritual side of you is more real than the physical side of you. And the reason that is, is because the spirit, the spiritual side of you will never die. Regardless of whether, regardless of whether you have a relationship with Jesus or not, the, your spirit, you're either going to be alive with Him or you're going to be dead away from Him. And when I say dead, the, the spiritual death, what spiritual death is, you, that means that you're going to be separated from God and you're going to live eternity in hell Away, separated from God, and I, I and you know, and I won't even go into the into hell right now because I mean, but that but hell is a real place, and we need to be aware of that. That that you know that your but your spirit is it, your spirit man will never die in the fact of from the standpoint of existing no more. You will always exist for eternity, whether it's in heaven or whether it's in hell. Amen. And, and, but at the moment of salvation, at the moment you get born again, the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of you. All throughout the Old Testament, the prophets of old prophesied about how God would replace the heart of stone and He would, he would put His Word and His Spirit on the inside of people. You know, the prophets didn't understand that. They couldn't, they couldn't fathom how God could come and live on the inside of someone because the old covenant and the old covenant, the, the Holy Spirit only rested, He only came and rested upon three people, three, three different groups of people. It was the priest, the king, and the prophet. That was the only three people that the Holy Spirit rested upon. And, and He didn't stay on them. He would come, He would come at times and then, and then He would leave. That's the reason the psalmist David would, would write psalms about, Lord, you know, don't leave, you know, may your presence not leave me. Because they were so used to the, the Holy Spirit coming and going. But at the, at the New Covenant, when Jesus died on the cross, and when, when, he, when he, uh, the Holy Spirit came onto the scene, that's the reason Jesus told His disciples in John 14, 15, and 16, He said, you know, it's expedient that I go away. Because if I go not away, He said, then I can't send the Holy Spirit back to you. But he said, if I go away, then I'll send the Holy Spirit. I'll send another comforter. In other words, somebody just like Jesus. And he said, he will not only be with you, but he will be in you. And that was at the, at the moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit come to live on the inside of us. So every person, if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. Amen. That's great news. Because the Holy Spirit is an incredible person. He is, I mean, the Bible describes Him as being, you know, our helper, our advocate, our strengthener, our standby, our intercessor. I mean, you know, He's, he's all of that to us. And He's living on the inside. Amen. So that's great news. So that's the Holy Spirit within. But I want to talk to you today, and I want to, I want to start showing you the difference between the Holy Spirit being within you and the Holy, the Holy Spirit being upon you. So let's, I want to show you four passages of scriptures to compare these two. Let's start with John chapter 14 and verse 17. This, I, I just actually just, uh, re referenced this, but John 14, 17. This is Jesus talking, and he said this. Jesus said this. He said, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know Him, for He dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Now remember, when Jesus was teaching, at this moment the Holy Spirit had not yet been poured out. So every time Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit, He was always talking about a future time. He was always talking about, notice here, He said, he said that the Holy Spirit will come, and He says that He shall be in you. So he didn't say he's in you now when to the disciples he was talking to, but he said he shall be in you. Now, if he were here today, if Jesus came back in person today and, and, and were talking to us, he would, he would say to us, the Holy Spirit who is in you, because the Holy Spirit has been poured out and he is living on the inside of every one of us now. But notice it's very clear here, Jesus said that he shall be in you. Amen? Do you all see that? Now, let's turn over to, to Acts chapter 1. Now, y'all have to put your thinking hats on, because like I said, I want to teach you today, so this is going to be a little, a little teachy, but that's all right. We can, we can all be taught some things, amen? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. 
Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Very familiar scripture. And it says this. It says, and this was actually, this is actually referencing Jesus talking here. He says, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Now notice that. In John 14, he said the Holy Spirit shall be in you. Here in Acts chapter 1, Jesus said that you would receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. He's talking about two different, two different things here. And he says, And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and, and Samaria and in the uttermost parts of the earth. So, so Jesus, this was both of these references were Jesus talking. He said the first time that the Holy Spirit shall be in you, and the second time he said he shall be upon you. All right? Now let's look at two, two, two more, and then th- this is actually um, a little bit different than these first two, but, this, but it's going to prove the same point, and then we're going to dissect this a little bit and look at this. Uh, John chapter 4, verse 14. John chapter 4. Here again, this is uh, Jesus talking. <clears throat> John chapter 4, verse 14. And notice what... And, and we'll just look at verse uh, 13. Now this was, the, this was the story in the middle of the story of the woman at the well of Samaria. And he, Jesus comes up and, and asks this woman for a drink, this Gentile woman for a drink. And, she, and she's talking about... You know, she's, she's saying, well, what are you, a Gentile? And, and, you know, are you a Jew asking a Gentile for a drink? And Jesus is having this conversation with her. And notice here in verse 13, Jesus said this. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water, pointing to the well, the, the well that they were pulling the water up out, of, out, the, up out of, he said, Whosoever shall drink of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. So Jesus, and this he was referring to the Holy Spirit here. He said, if you drink of the water I give you, then he said, you will have a well of water springing up from the inside leading to eternal life. Now we know salvation, at the moment of salvation, um, or when we get born again, that deals with our eternity, right? I mean, at that moment, when we get born again, when, when at that salvation moment, at the moment that we accept Jesus as our Savior, it changes our eternity. In other words, our eternal destination, I'll put it that way. Instead of now going, uh, you know, going straight, to, straight to hell and, and split hell wide open, at the moment we receive Jesus as our, as our Savior, now our destination changes, and now we're on our way to heaven. Amen. So, so here he said in, in verse 14, he said, Whosoever drinketh of the water that I give, he said, will not, or shall never thirst, but the water that, that I give shall be a well of water. Now, let's look, keep that in mind. Look at John 7. And I'm going with some of this, I promise. I'll, I'll clear all this up. John chapter 7, verse 30, or John 7, verse 37. Now, this was near the end of, of Jesus' ministry here. And he was at the at the feast, and this was the the last feast, the feast of uh, tabernacles. And one of the one of the things that they did at this last feast was at the last day of the feast, the priest would take water and he would pour it out, representing uh, representing to the, to them at this point that the that everything had been accomplished, you know, and, and it was symbolic of of the the end being being taken care of. And here, notice this, John, or Jesus said this in John 7.37. He said, In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said... Now, listen to what Jesus said. He said, Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit which they that believe on Him should receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So in John 7, or in John 4, Jesus referred to the well of water on the inside that leads to eternal life. Here in John chapter 7, Jesus said when you believe on Him, He said that you're going to have rivers of living water gushing up from the inside. So now what is, what's the difference? Let me ask you this question. What's the difference between a well and a river. 
when I grew up, uh, when I grew up, we had a well, and the well it supplied it supplied uh, uh, water to about four different families, and you know there were times that the the pump would go out or whatever, and all of us would be without water. And the well, one thing that we had to be careful of was this, especially in a dry season, was the well was not, was you know, you couldn't go out and just turn the water hose on and water your yard for hours upon hours without, you know, and, and everybody do that and then, and then expect that the water just to keep being there. In other words, a well, a well could not provide for the whole neighborhood. A well couldn't provide for the whole, for the whole city block. Now, it can provide for a family. It can provide for, you know, me, my family and, and my neighbor and, and, you know, and, and that well provided for that. But the well was only for, for that, for our, you know, it provided for us. And what, and what he was talking about here was this, that the well that Jesus was talking about in John 4, he was talking about salvation, the Holy Spirit being within us, because the Holy Spirit within you is for you. At salvation, you get saved. When you get born again, the Holy Spirit comes and does a work on the inside of you, and it affects you. It affects, it brings, it, it produces the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, you know, is, is the love, joy, peace, the nine different fruits of the Spirit that every believer has. And that fruit of the Spirit is for you. It affects the way you live. It affects the way you uh, handle situations and circumstances and different things like that. But then here in John chapter 7, Jesus goes a step further and He says, he says if you believe on Him, He says now all of a sudden, He says you're going to have rivers. Not just a river, but rivers, plural. Gushing, belly, coming, rushing out of your belly. Now let me ask you this. How many people can a river sustain? If you have a river, and actually plural, if you have rivers, then everybody up and down the river can take part of the river. And it supplies water for, for their crops, and it provides water for their, you know, for their animals, and it provides, you know, in other words, the well will only take care of one family. The rivers will take care of everybody that it comes in contact with. So the well represented Jesus, or represents the Holy Spirit within us, the, the rivers, the rivers of living water gushing out of our bellies represents the Holy Spirit upon us. Because the Holy Spirit within you is for you, but when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it's for others. Because Jesus said this, Jesus told His disciples, now, now get this picture, Jesus told His disciples right before He left, right before, the last, right before He ascended up back up into heaven, uh, and, and they had, you know, and I believe, I believe that when Jesus, the Bible, in that, in that passage there, it says that He breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. I believe that was their moment of salvation. They believed on Him and they got born again. And then Jesus gets ready to ascend up into heaven, but He tells them this. He said, go wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And He said, then when you, He said, when that happens, then you will be my, then you will be witnesses into Judah or into Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the uttermost parts of the world. So what he told them was this: He said, "Before you can before you can help others, you you need to be endued with power from on high." So at the day of Pentecost, on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter two, we read that the Holy Spirit, when you know, and that's the whole story about they were in the upper room waiting because Jesus had told them to wait. They were in the upper room waiting, and then there was a sound as a rushing mighty wind. And, and it says that the, uh, the, the Holy Spirit was poured out, and on the 120 in the upper room, it says that the, that the Spirit of God was poured out, and flames, like as flames, sat upon each one of them. And let's just, let's just turn over there and read that, Acts chapter 2, so you can see this. I need to slow down because I'm teaching. I'm not, I'm not just preaching. I'm teaching to you this morning. Amen. <laughs> Because listen, if you don't understand this, you'll miss, I mean, so many people miss uh, so much power in the Holy Spirit because they just, they, they just totally misunderstand the role of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life. And they, they miss the, the whole baptism of the Holy Spirit or, or being filled with the Spirit versus you know, the indwelling presence of the Spirit. People just totally confuse that. And you miss so much power. Because here Jesus told them... Uh, Jesus told them that they that they needed to wait 
Uh, and actually, we, we, we read that in, uh, in you know, Acts chapter 1, that's Acts chapter, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We read it where Jesus told him, said, wait, in, you know, wait until you be endued with power. Here in Acts chapter 2, this is when it actually happened. It said this, Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And of course, we know everybody in the everybody in Jerusalem heard it. They all came. They all came rushing to see what it was. And it says that there were people from from like uh, I don't know what was it was it 15, or fifteen different countries or fifteen different. Um, let's look here. Let's go on and just read. It says, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem, verse five, uh, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now, when they were noised abroad, the, the multitude came, and they were confounded, because every man heard them speak in his own language. And, uh, and so, so then it lists all, and, and they said, and they were, they, they were amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own language which we were born? Or their own dialect. And then they list, they, they were, uh, Perithians, Medes, uh, I mean, and they list all these different, I think there was like 15 different uh, nationalities mentioned here, and each one of them heard them worshiping God and declaring the good things of God in their own language. But yet none of these Galileans, the disciples, the, the 120 that were up in the upper room, they couldn't speak all these different languages. But yet, when, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says they began to speak with other tongues, and the people heard them in their own language. <clears throat> and notice it said that uh, in verse 11, and it, it lists them, says, We do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. So as what, what they were saying in tongues, as they were, as they were speaking in tongues, they were, they were declaring the wonderful works of God. Amen. So you see here the Holy Spirit came upon them, and one of the evidences of that was speaking in tongues. Now, when you talk about speaking in tongues, boy, you really stir people up. And you really get people talking about, you know, people, you have people that are adamant for it, you have people that are adamant against it, you have people that don't understand it, you have people that, that understand a little bit of it. And, and in the next few weeks, I'm going to be, we're going to teach on, on the subject of, of speaking in tongues and, and I want to teach it in such a way that, that hopefully you will understand exactly what the purpose of it is, what the power of it is, why Jesus said that we need it. Jesus didn't say, hey, this is just for the early church. Once the church gets established, you don't need it anymore. He didn't say that. He, he, said, he, said, he told His disciples, wait till you be endued with power, then you'll be My disciples. Then you'll be My witnesses, He said. And guess what? That's still true today. If you want to be a good witness, if you want to be, if you want to be somebody that walks in power and walks in the authority of what the Word says, get filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. And it's not, and, and, and trust me, I promise you, it's not weird, it's not spooky, it's not, you know, flaky, it's scriptural. And I want to, and we're going to look at scripture. I'm not going to give you somebody's opinion. We're going to look and see what scripture says about it. So now listen, I want to give you, I want to give you five references in the book of Acts that talks about uh, when the Spirit, when the Holy Spirit came upon them. We've already established that the Holy Spirit within is salvation. My belief and what what I what I deduct from the Scripture is this: there are there are two separate, uh, distinctive outpourings of the Holy Spirit. One is that salvation when the Holy Spirit comes within you. But then there is another. Uh, there is another. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm, I can't think of the one word I'm looking for. There's another out. Uh, not necessarily out. Uh, dispensation. There's another. Uh, there's. Uh, uh, there's two distinct experiences. I'll call it an experience. How's that? 
There's two distinct experiences. One is that salvation when the Holy Spirit comes within you. The other is when the Holy, when you're what we call baptized in the Holy Spirit or when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And one of the evidences of that is speaking in tongues. Now, you, you know, um, I, I was, I was raised Southern Baptist and, and I grew up hearing, um, that tongues was not for today. I, I grew up hearing that tongues were, was done away with. That you know, the early church needed some signs to help establish the church, and and that that was something that was done away with. And they had they used scriptures that said the one scripture that talks about that not everybody speaks in tongues, and and that it would be done away with when we're made perfect. And and they would use scriptures like that, but it never that scripture never did really make sense to me because it didn't really answer the question. And so, so in the next couple of weeks, I, I won't get to that scripture today because we won't have time. But in the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at those scriptures and specifically asking the question: What good is speaking in tongues? Is it for today? And you know, do I have to have it? Do I have to speak in tongues? And you know, the answer to that is no. You don't have to, but you get to. And man, what a privilege! And I tell you, I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for being filled with the Holy Spirit. With, with with my prayer language and speaking in tongues. You know, I mean, so so we're going to be looking at that. So here in Acts chapter 2 was the first one that I gave you, and that was the original outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost when, when the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke in tongues. The second reference is in Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. You can And, and I encourage you to write these references down, go home and study them and see it for yourself. Because, because listen... You know, Brother Hagen, Brother Hagen, um, the Lord told Brother Hagen in, uh, like, I think it was 1960, 1965, 1966, somewhere around there. Brother Hagen told, or I mean, the Lord told Brother Hagen that, that if, if he didn't get the, the word of faith out, if he didn't get the message of faith out, that a whole generation would lose, that we would lose a whole generation because they, nobody was teaching faith. And that's when Brother Hagin really started, Brother Hagin started teaching faith and he started, he's, you know, and, and for the rest of his ministry, if, if you ever heard Brother Hagin teach, it was on, he would get back around to Mark 11, 23 and 24 about faith. I mean, so he had worked that into any message he preached. But, but, what, but what I want you to see and what I want you to know is this, is that, that he would say this, Brother Hagin would say this, he said the same thing is true about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If we don't teach this and we don't teach our, our children this, we'll lose a generation, we'll lose a generation to, you know, that don't, that has never experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. Because I promise you this, if you go out and, and talk to anybody in the world, they'll tell you that people that talk in tongues are crazy. Because the enemy knows, listen, the enemy knows how powerful this is and he don't want anybody getting filled with the Holy Spirit. But I'm telling you, it is real and it is something for us today and there is power in it. And we're going to be looking at it. Amen. And discussing it. So, uh, Acts chapter 8. Here's the second example. And, and I'm giving you five examples this morning about what happened when the Holy Spirit came upon them. Not, not just within them. Within them was salvation, but upon them. And you'll see in a couple of these the, the, very, the, the distinction between the two times. In Acts chapter 8, verse 14. It said this, Acts eight fourteen. Now when the when the apostles which were at uh, Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they came down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For now listen to verse sixteen. For as yet he was not fallen upon or he was fallen upon none of them, only that they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid their hands, Peter and John laid their hands on the, the people of Samaria who, had, who, were, who were saved. There was a revival going on in Samaria. They were saved. And it says, but Peter and John came down, laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon, Simon was a sorcerer that got born again, uh, you know, and, fo- and was following them. When Simon the sorcerer saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. So now, in this particular account, it doesn't say that they spoke in tongues, but let me ask you this. Let me, let's just talk about this story for a moment. Simon was a sorcerer. He was a, 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 a magic, somebody that dealt with magic. And, and so he got born again, 
And when Peter and John came down, when they laid hands on people, they received the Holy Spirit. Well, what was it that they, that what possibly could it have been that Simon saw that he was so intrigued by it? He said, if you, if you let me do that, I will give you money. What could it have been? Could it have been, now listen, could it have been when Peter and John laid hands on those people, those disciples of Samaria, they started speaking in another language. And Simon saw that and said, if I can make somebody talk in a different language, I'll, man, that would be good for my business. And of course, the disciples, Peter and John looked at him and said, said Simon, you'd be cursed with your money because the things of God aren't for sale. And they shut that down real quick. But you see, it doesn't specifically say that they spoke in tongues, but Simon saw and experienced something that he said, if you'll give that to me, I'll give you money for it. And what else could it have been? Now, it could, I mean, I will be the first to say, it could have been something different. But if, if you look at examples in the Scripture, and, and these other examples that we're going to have, you're going to see every time the Holy Spirit came upon them, one of the first evidences of that was speaking in tongues. So Simon saw something that happened, and he said, I want to pay for that. And of course, Peter and John said, you know, it's not for sale, and you know, no, you're, you know, your money be cursed with you. And so, so here was, this was another example of this. Let's turn over to Acts chapter 10. Now, like I said, we could spend, we could spend hours on each one of these talking about this. I'm just, I'm wetting your appetite this morning, okay? I'm, I'm wanting you to see that there, there is this experience about the Holy Spirit coming upon us that, that is available for every one of us today. In Acts chapter 10, verse 44. Acts chapter 10, 44. Now this, now this should excite every one of us because here we see this is the story of, of uh, Peter, and the you know this this is the story where Peter is goes to the rooftop and is praying, and he has this vision, and God gives him this vision about this this blanket coming down out of heaven, and it's you know held up on the four corners, and and when it comes down, there's unclean animals in it. There's there's animals with hooves on it, you know. In other words, the Jewish people in that day had very strict dietary laws. And they wouldn't eat certain animals, and you know, and, and the the Gentiles, the Gentiles, they would eat anything, and so so that was one of the reasons why the Jews had such a distaste or a, uh, how, why they why they disliked the Gentiles. A big part of it, there was other reasons too, but one of the big parts of it was because the, the Gentiles would eat anything, you know, and the Jews had such a strict uh, dietary law. So, so Peter had this vision that the, the blanket comes down, these animals are there, God tells him, kill and eat. And Peter said, I'm not going to do it. And, and he saw this vision a couple times, and finally, you know, he, said, he said, those are unclean animals, I, I, won't, I won't eat those. And finally, the Lord told him this, he said, Peter, what I have called clean, don't you call unclean. And then the vision was gone. And it says, while Peter was yet thinking about this vision... The Lord told him again, he said, Peter, he said, three men are coming, are going to be at your door in just a moment. He said, go with them asking nothing. And of course, this is Cornelius. Cornelius had been praying. The Lord told Cornelius to send people to this house and ask for somebody named Simon and that, that he would have, he would have the answer to, to Cornelius's prayers. So, so these three guys show up at the door this very time, knock on the door, they say, we're looking for Simon, we want him to come to our master's house. Well, the Bible says Peter went with them, because he had just heard from the Lord saying, don't question anything, go with them. So he went with them. And as he went with them, uh, the Bible says he got to Cornelius' house. Now these were Gentiles, J Peter was a Jew, and he was, I mean, he was not even, to be honest with you, he was not even supposed to be seen with Gentiles much less in their house. But Peter goes into their house because God had told him to, and he's preaching the gospel to them, and he's sharing the gospel, which was another thing Peter was probably thinking, I don't know why I'm doing this, because the gospel is for the Jews. Jesus came for the Jews. He didn't come for the Gentiles. But remember the vision, what God said, what God called clean, He told Peter, don't you call unclean. And then let's pick up here in verse 44. So this is where this is the story leading up to this. Verse 44 said this, While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. There that phrase again, he fell on them. 
It didn't say He went in them. It said He fell on them. And it says, and they, that are, and they of the circumcision, in other words, those that came with Peter, those that the Jewish people, because the Jews were circumcised, the Gentiles were not, they, and it says, those of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. And now, look at the next verse. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Now notice that. Verse, verse 45 says that they were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out. Verse 46 tells us what the gift of the Holy Spirit was, that they spoke in tongues. Do you see that? The Holy Spirit fell on them and they spoke in tongues. And the, all, the, all of the Jews were amazed because, because the Gentiles could receive the same Holy Spirit that they had. And the reason I said that's good news for all of us is because it was at this moment that you and I got to get in on the, on the, the redemption story of Jesus. And because of, because of this very experience right here, the, 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 the whole redemption story was now open to the Gentiles. In other words, it was open to you and I. And we could receive it just like the, just like the, the Jews who rejected it in, in, in Jesus' day. Now, Jesus said if the Jews reject it, then we'll open it up to everybody. And the Gentiles now could receive it because God knew, God knew that, that, I mean, this was the whole plan anyway, but God knew that. So, so now the Gentiles, or now the Gentiles were open to it, and they received the Holy Spirit the same way that the, that the, the disciples had and the other Jews had. And, and the evidence of the gift of the Holy Spirit being poured out was that they spoke with tongues. And that's what amazed them, that they received the same way that they did. The fourth one, let's turn to Acts chapter 18. Are you all seeing the theme here? When the Holy Spirit's poured out, there's the evidence of speaking in tongues. Acts chapter 18, verse 24. Now this was Apollos. And actually, uh, let's go up to... Um, um, go up to verse 18. This is uh, Acts eighteen eighteen, and we'll get down to the the other part because there's a there's an interesting there's an interesting part here. Uh, it says this. It says, and Paul, after he had tarried there yet a good while, and then took his leave of his brethren and and sailed thence to, into Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila, having shown his uh, his head, having shaven his head in uh, Caesarea. For for he had a, for he had made a vow, and he came to Ephesus and left Aquila and Priscilla there. But he himself entered into the synagogue and uh, reasoned with the Jews, and says, and when when they they had desired him to tarry longer there with them, he consented not. In other words, you know, Paul had to leave, and he he left, and says, but he bid farewell, saying, I must by all means keep the feast coming in Jerusalem. And then verse uh, verse twenty two it says, and when he had uh, Landed in Caesarea and gone and, and saluted the church, he went down to Antioch. And after he spent some time there, he departed and went over all the country of Galatia and Perga in, in order, strengthening all the disciples. So this was Paul's missionary journey. He was continuing his journey, preaching and teaching all of this. Then in verse 24 it says this, And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in Scriptures, came to Ephesus. And remember, the uh, Aquila and Priscilla, who, had, who traveled with Paul, and who, who, you know, who, who were Paul's uh, disciples and had learned everything that Paul was teaching, they, were, they had stayed at Ephesus. And now here comes Apollos, this educated man, a man of Alexandria, an eloquent man, it says. He came to Ephesus and says, This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spake, uh, he spake and, and uh, taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. So, Apollos didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. If you remember when John was out uh, baptizing, his, his, uh, John's only message was a baptism of repentance. And John would even say, John even said, the one that comes after me will baptize you with fire. But John's baptism was only one of repentance. So Apollos had not even heard of the Holy Spirit. But he was fervent and he was eloquent in his teaching of repentance 
and, and, you know, and getting people saved and getting people baptized from, you know, from their sins, or baptized and, and repenting of their sins and being baptized. So then it says, and when, uh, when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, uh, I, I'm sorry, I missed verse 26, and he began to speak boldly in the synagogues, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, had heard him, they took unto him and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. Now, what do you think they, what do you think they taught Apollos? They had been following, Aquila and Priscilla had been following Paul. Paul had been teaching about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, and speaking in tongues and getting people filled with the Holy Spirit. So here, Aquila and Priscilla, they pull Apollos off to the side and they say, man, your message is great, but you stop at salvation. You need to go on and learn about the Holy Spirit. So they taught, he says that Aquila and Priscilla taught him the way of God more perfectly. And when he was disposed to go, uh, the brethren wrote and sent letters and they sent him on. And he went, and now he's not only preaching the, the message of repentance, but now he's preaching the Holy Spirit. Then you come to verse, or chapter 19, and we have the next example here, and it says, And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. So if he found certain disciples, we could say they were born again, right? They, I mean, they had, they had accepted Jesus. And he says, He said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much heard whether there be a Holy Ghost. So these were probably some of Apollos' early disciples because they said they didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. Paul comes and said, Have you received the Holy Spirit? And they said, We, we hadn't even heard of the Holy Spirit. So it says, So Paul said unto them in verse 3, he said, he, said, he said, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then Paul said, John verily baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands upon them, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. So here they had already received Jesus. They were disciples, but they hadn't even heard of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was living on the inside of them. They didn't even know it. And John and Paul preached the whole gospel to them, baptized them again, and just said, said, hey, you know, now that you know the whole truth, here, let's baptize you again. And then he laid hands on them. The Holy Spirit fell on them, and they spoke in tongues. Amen. So here you have, that's five different examples. And, and here in, in the rest of chapter 19, it says that they, they begged Paul to stay. He stayed, in, he stayed actually here in, in Ephesus, which is in Asia. He stayed there for two more years. And it says this, it says, until all of Asia had heard the gospel. So Paul preached the gospel for two more years. No doubt getting people saved, born again, and then not only born again and, and baptized but he got them filled with the Holy Ghost as well. So here, we, I give you five examples of, of people being, not, you know, being saved, but also being filled with the Holy Spirit. And, when, and being, the Holy Spirit came in upon them. When the Holy Spirit came upon them, one of the first evidences of that was speaking in tongues. Now, for the next, for the next few minutes, I'm out of time. For the next, just for the next couple minutes. For the next couple minutes, let's. I want to. I just want to ask the question. I, I want to pose the question: What good does speaking in tongues do? What good does speaking in tongues do? And do and do you need it? You know, um, man, I need another hour. Um, <laughs> um, you know, Paul said this. Paul Paul said that. Um, Paul said that when you pray in when you pray in the Spirit, because one of the one of the things you, you, we have to do when we read the Bible, we have to make sure that we that we understand what it's talking about. When when the Bible talks about praying in the Spirit, it's talking about praying in your prayer language. Now, here's the thing that confuses people with tongues, and I and I'm just going to have to give you this, and we'll we'll unhook here and, and pick up uh, next week. Here's the thing people don't understand about, about speaking in tongues. People, you know, like they, people use the example where, where they say, oh, well, the Bible says not everybody will speak in tongues. 
And when it talks about the gifts of the Spirit, it talks about tongues and interpretation. And, and, and in that passage in, in Corinthians, it talks about, you know, if, if somebody speaks in tongues, there has to be an interpretation or they're out of order and things. And people, people use that Scripture and they say, see, speaking in tongues, you know, you're not supposed to speak in tongues unless you interpret. And then if you don't interpret, you're out of order. But what, what people don't realize is they, they don't divide the Scripture to see that the, he's actually talking about two different types of, of tongues here. The first one is a public side of tongues. And it is true that not everybody will give a message in tongues to the whole church, to the whole body. That, that is a gift of the Spirit that this, as the Spirit gives utterance. I can't just give a message in tongues in front of everybody just at my will. Just, I can't just say, oh, I think I'll give a message in tongues and just start saying something that comes from God. It has to come from God first. And then I have to obey that and give that message out. And then when I give that message, then there will be an interpretation saying, you know, this is what the Lord is saying. But Paul, Paul taught in many other scriptures, and we'll see these, Paul taught very clearly, he, he made this statement, he said, I speak in tongues more than you all. And Paul even said this, he said, I wish you all prayed in tongues. So you see, you can look at that and say, well, one says not everybody will do it, but Paul says, I, I wish all of you would. But what you have to understand is this, he's talking about two different things. He's talking about the gift of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, which, which is a public, a public display, because, because like I said, the, the Holy Spirit within you at salvation is for you. The Holy Spirit coming upon you, which are the gifts of the Spirit, it's going to be for other people. It's going to be for the gifts of the Spirit, which, were, which was word of knowledge, word of wisdom, prophecy, tongues and interpretation, the gifts of faith, the gifts of healings. And, you know, those gifts, that's, that, those gifts are not for you, but they're for God to use you to help others. And that comes when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit rests upon you, and then you can help other people. So now, I probably thoroughly confused you. So, but, but what I wanted you to see this morning was this. There is a definite experience about the Holy Spirit coming upon you that's totally different than your salvation experience. And as we saw, we saw five examples in the book of Acts in the early church where when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they spoke in tongues. And when they, and, and you know, and, and that was the whole, uh, the whole experience of, of the Holy Spirit resting upon them. Now, the, here, let me just say this. Do you have to speak in tongues? You know, do you have to speak in tongues to go to heaven? Absolutely not. You'll probably just get there quicker if you don't. <laughs> That's a joke. I'm just teasing you. <clears throat> because, 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 because here's the reality of this. When you pray in the Spirit, you bypass your brain, and it's a, it's a direct connection spirit to spirit. That's, that's the key about praying in the Spirit. And because, because the Bible says that, that your mind is unfruitful, but your spirit is edified. So see, praying in the spirit has nothing to do with you thinking. Uh, see, because here's something. Uh, here's something that, that I always tell people: I can't think in tongues. Now I can pray in tongues. I can sing in tongues at any time I want to. You know, I mean, because Paul even said that. He said, he said, I pray in the spirit and I pray with understanding. He said, I sing in the spirit and I sing with understanding. In other words, what he said was this: in my, my prayer language, with my prayer language, I can either I can either pray in English or I can pray in tongues anytime I want to. Now, when I stand in front of people, when I stand in a setting like this, in a in a uh, public setting, if I were if I were to just start talking to you in tongues, then according to the Bible, there would have to be an interpretation of that. Because it wouldn't benefit you anything if I just stood up here and spoke in a language you didn't understand. So in order for there to be order, there would have to be an interpretation of that. But if I'm talking directly to my father, then that's, that, that doesn't concern you and I can pray in tongues all day and never have to have an interpretation for that. So, there's, so when you're talking about tongues, there's definitely two different things that you have to understand and ask yourself, is, that, is it the public setting or is it a private setting? Now, I can pray in the Spirit in front of you and still not have to interpret that because I'm not talking to you. Does that make sense? 
It's just like if I, if I just say, well, hey, I'm going to pray right now. Let's pray. And, and I start praying. Well, I can pray in the Spirit, and even though you can hear me, there doesn't have to be an interpretation because I'm not, I'm not looking straight at you and saying, BJ, I want to tell you something. And then, and, then, and then if I started talking in tongues to him at that moment, then I would have to have an interpretation or he would have to have that interpretation to know what I said. But if I'm talking to my Heavenly Father, I can pray in the Spirit and you might be able to hear me and you might not know what I say. And the truth is, I might not know what I say in my mind because the Bible says our mind is unfruitful when you're praying in the Spirit. Man, i, I got to unhook. <clears throat> so, so, you know, I, I, want, I, want to ask, I want to ask very nicely if you'll do this for me. <laughs> Come back and let me teach you some more, okay? Um, next week, uh, and I won't be able to do this next week, because next week we've got a very special day planned. And next week we are, we are celebrating our volunteers. I'm going, to be, I'm going to be teaching on the ministry of helps. You do not want to miss that, I promise you. Whether, whether you're a volunteer or you're not a volunteer, whether you do 15 things or you do nothing, come back next week and listen to this message I've got on the, that the Lord's given me on the ministry of helps. It will bless you. And, but then the following week, I will, I'll pick back up and we'll, we'll talk some more about uh, the benefits and what the purpose of speaking in tongues is. And I'll show you these scriptures that we're talking about, about the difference between the public side and the private side and how that fits in. And then, and then you'll see the benefits to praying in tongues. And, and I promise you, it, it, will, it will bless your life. Now, I'll, I just want to say this. If you're here today... And you say, Pastor, I, I'm, I'm born again. Or you might say, I'm not born again. Well, I would love to, I'd love to introduce you to Jesus today because He's, He's the best thing that could ever happen to you. But if you are born again and you've never, you've never experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I would love to be able to pray with you this morning. And I would love to be able just to, to share some more scriptures with you. And we've got some material we can give you. But, but, you know, just like time and time again, the Bible says that, that they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit and they spoke in tongues. I believe this morning, if, if you're here today and you want to you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I believe that you, it, it could be yours today. The Bible says that if you, ask, if you ask the Father for, you know, that if you ask the Father, He'll give it to you. Amen? And it's, it's a gift that He gives us. So, so here's what I want to do. Uh, let's stand to our feet, and I'm going to pray and dismiss, and, uh, and then I'm going to stay up front up here. And, and I, love, I love hugging your necks and shaking your hands and, and, and loving on you guys at the back door. But I'm just going to stay up here. And if you, want, if, you, if you say, Pastor, I've never prayed in tongues, I've never spoken in tongues, I want to receive the gift of the, the Holy Spirit this morning, then 